0: This morning we're going to find ourselves in 1st John chapter 3 looking at verses 11 to 18 this morning If you've been with us through the last several weeks of 1st John uh, We last week we did a review on the book of 1st John chapters 1 to 3 Because we found ourselves right in the middle of 1st John And so now we are continuing the second half of the book of 1st John And so we find ourselves in 1st John 3 11 to 18 and last week we looked at a bunch of different tests that John gave us in order for us to know who we actually are. And John is going to continue that theme that theme as we look at the book of 1 John today and we look at the topic of love. The title of our lesson today is Signs of Life or Death. And we'll get to the text here in a minute. Before we do that, I want to ask you a question, as I usually do. Did you ever ignore a seemingly important sign? There's signs all around this world, aren't there? No trespassing speed limit signs. I won't poll the audience on that one. Uh, no turn on red. Danger, wrong way signs, expiration dates. Check engine oil lights. Anyone for that one? Uh, there's signs all around us. And my question for you today is: have you ever seen me, have you ever ignored, excuse me, a seemingly important sign? I'm gonna give you a couple stories of things that I've done just so you can feel connected to me and have some fellowship. Maybe you've ignored some signs in your life as well. Um, I'll give you a really embarrassing one first. Um, it's a really short one. I went up to this door the one time and just tried to you know, push it open with all my might, and uh, not to realize that there was a sign on the door that said, Door broken. Please use other door. In big, bold letters. I don't know if you've ever done something dumb and in a moment realized that. And so the first thing you do is you look around, right? Who (laughs) saw that? Look for a camera, you know, try to rationalize it away, like, oh, yeah, whoops. Um, But that's one thing I definitely did. I pushed on this door, and in fact, I think I pushed a few times, thinking, what's wrong with this door? Then I read with my eyes, door is broke. Here's another example of a sign that I neglected When I moved to Ann Arbor, Michigan around 2008, uh, I grew up here in Clark Summit, so I didn't know the area. So I relied heavily on GPS to get around to places because I didn't know where anything was. I started working at this job in downtown Ann Arbor. It was Starbucks, right on the campus of University of Michigan. And my first day at Starbucks, coming out of Starbucks, I was doing the usual thing. When you get into a car and you don't know where you're going, you're fiddling with the GPS, right? to figure out where am I supposed to be going, how do I get out of this place, and it was my first day. So I pulled up to the light, and uh, from my side of the story, I stopped, I looked for a sign, didn't see any sign, I turned right on red. As soon as I did that, a cop pulled out, and pulled me over, and I was like, what What did I do? This is my first time working, my first day, and uh, this guy wasn't a very nice guy either wasn't one of those nice cops. He kind of came up to me with like some sarcasm and arrogance, and he was like, were you going to stop before you broke the law? And I'm like, um, pardon? And he goes, there was a no turn on red sign right at that light. And I said, really? I didn't see it. He goes, it was right behind you. And I said, well, I did stop. I, I'm new to the area. I just started this job. I'm trying to reason with a man going, you know, this is why I did such a thing. I actually did look for a sign, and I turned right on red. And he goes, well, there's a posted sign that says, don't turn right on red. Or, don't turn on red. And I said, I'm sorry. You know, it's my first day. I won't do it again. He said, I know you won't. Here's a ticket. $130 later. <laughs> I was like, really? You know what happened from that moment on? I checked and checked and checked. I don't think I ever turned on red again ever at any light and I probably got honked at for that But that was a sign that I neglected Uh, One more thing. I'm not going to tell the entire story of this because it's quite long But I'm going to give you the abridged version. This is a different kind of sign Sometimes you have physical literal signs that you see and sometimes they're signs that you know inwardly Here's a sign that I neglected that was an inward sign. I was uh, doing a favor for one of of my friends. My friend came up to me the one day and said, would you go with me to drop my parents off at the airport because they were going to JFK in New York City and he wanted a riding companion. (laughs) You remember this? And it was going to be early in the morning. And I said, not a problem. You know, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to to be your riding companion because it was early. He didn't want to fall asleep. He wanted someone to be there. So I get in with his parents' vehicle in the backseat with my friend and his parents, we're going to drive two two and a half hours to New York City and drop his parents off and drive back. That's simply all we were going to do. And on the way there, it was one of these like early fall days where it was a little bit cool in the morning, and because of that, the people driving the family had the heat on. And I was in the back seat, and I just need to set the stage here for those who may be like me this way. I'm in the back. The heat is on. I am not very good with motion. To begin with um, that's something i kind of struggle with and i didn't factor that in and i should have so i'm in the back and it's just one of these big clunky suvs that doesn't drive smooth it's one of those feels like a truck kind of vehicles and i'm back in the back seat and we start getting close to the traffic where new york city is starting to get intense that way and this guy driving is swerving in and out he's trying to make good time i'm in the back seat with the heat on and all of a sudden, a sign comes on in my inward soul to say, oh, I don't feel good. <laughs> and I i was trying to be nice. I was trying to do these people a favor, my friend a favor. So I wasn't trying to focus myself on my needs at that moment. But I really started feeling really, really sick. And something had to change quickly. Now, I was kind of calculating in my mind, how long do we still have in this trip? And we only had 20 or so minutes to go, so I'm like, I think I can make it. Once we get to the airport, I'll step out, I'll get my bearings, I'll breathe, I'll get back into the front seat, turn the heat off, you know, and things will improve. But when you're going to New York City, dropping someone off at the airport, you don't have long. You've got to drop those people off, get right back in the car, and get out of there. So I didn't have a chance to get my bearings, unfortunately. And for whatever reason, I didn't make my sickness aware to anybody. I just sort of thought, I'm, I'll get over this. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get over this. There's a lot of details I could give you in this story that I'm going to spare you. (laughs) Suffice to say, there were three times we had to pull over on the way home so that I could empty myself. (laughs) And uh, it was a really, really bad experience, and I didn't get better. At one point, we decided to stop and get something to eat because, you know, it was breakfast time, and I thought, the dumbest thought I've ever had in the history of my life, I will put something in my belly, and that will improve. Not only something, McDonald's something. (laughs) I took a bite of whatever sandwich that was, and the feeling was like 10 times compounded. And I just it was just one of those days I just felt miserable the entire day. We finally got home. I spent the entire day in bed. I was just feeling so bad. Looking back, I, I think if I would have said to the people, do you mind turning the heat off or can we stop for a minute and let me get out and just get my bearings? I don't think I would have suffered like that. But I turned that sign off and said, let's just get through this. And that was the wrong decision. We're going to talk about signs today. Signs of life or death. And it's going to come up in the text. I want to direct our attention now to 1 John 3, verses 11 to 18. And I want you to listen to what John says this morning. It's all on the topic of love. That's why I had Dave read that passage. He says in this, in verse 11, For this is the message that that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but indeed in deed and truth. What we're going to do today is very simple. I'm going to look at each one of these verses. I don't always do it this way, but I think this is a good thing to do this morning because it seems like each verse has a message for us. So what we're going to do, maybe you have your bulletins there, you can see that. I left some space for you guys to take some notes, but we're going to look at each one of these verses briefly and understand what John is saying as the message here. He says at the beginning here, this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. Remember that phrase, from the beginning, that we should love one another. We spoke on a few lessons ago on the idea of love and how important love is and how that every single one of God's commandments is wrapped up in loving God and loving one another. And when we looked at that lesson, we looked at how ancient and old the commandment of love is. And that's really what John is saying again that we're reviewing the oldest and most essential commandment God ever gave man from the beginning. So it's the oldest and it's the most important commandment God ever gave us. In other words, to miss this commandment is to miss everything. Everything. And that's really what 1 Corinthians 13 pulls out. If I do this, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this, and I miss out on love, I've missed everything. Everything. And so John wants us to understand that once again, this commandment is old and ancient and there at the beginning, and it's God's most important commandment. To disregard love, according to the text, I think we can find this, is to be even less than human because humans have been told from the beginning of their existence how important it is to love one another. So when we disregard love, we're more like beasts and less like humans even. Because the humanity that God has given us was sown in love, by love, for love. So that's a really important thing to remember, is that we're looking at the most essential and most ancient commandment, and we can't disregard this whatsoever. Then one of the most strangest verses I've ever read in the scripture comes right up after this. And honestly, I've wrestled with this for several, several times I've looked at this passage. He says in verse 12, We should not be like Cain. Who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's were righteous. All of a sudden, he brings up this object, this person, to illustrate what he's talking about. And that person is Cain. Do you guys have your Bibles? Can you turn with me quickly to Genesis chapter 4? I want you to reflect a little bit on the story of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel were the first children that we know of that Adam and Eve had. And these two brothers had an encounter here. Genesis chapter 4. I'm just going to read a few verses here, starting in verse 1. It says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. There's the guy we're talking about. Saying, I have gotten a man with help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother, Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but Cain, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do, not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Verse 8, Cain spoke to his brother Abel, And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? Cain said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Look at verse 10. And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. I'm going to stop there. I need to set the stage for what John is saying here because it's really important. Because right after he tells us, what I'm speaking of today is the most ancient, the most important commandment. Don't be like Cain. Why? Why is he jumping from love to murder? Doesn't that seem like a huge jump? Like you should love one another and on the other side is Cain who actually took his brother's life. And I thought that was a very big jump to go from love, you should love one another, and don't murder. Well, okay, I I understand how important love is. But if I don't love, it's not like I'm going to actually physically take someone's life. Isn't there a better example you could use, John, to say, here's a person who neglected to show love. He says, here's a person who murdered his brother. Don't be like Cain. And we need to look at that a little bit because I think that's very strange. John is going to say to us today that if we're not striving to love one another, he's going to talk about this later on too, we're more like the murderous Cain than we think we are. That if we neglect to show love, we're like Cain who murdered his brother. And I find that it is an astonishing piece of truth. And I think that's a huge jump from not loving to murder. And yet as we've seen through the book of 1 John, John and God only give us two different Paths. have you noticed that through first john he said in the beginning of chapter one it's either light or darkness light or darkness there's nothing in between you're either on the path of light following jesus christ or you're on the path of darkness following the devil and you're like really it has to be one of those two can i be somewhere in the middle kind of figuring it out no you're either going north following jesus christ on the path of light or you're going south following the devil in the darkness So that's another example John gave us of two very distinct paths. Another one he said later on is you're either with God or with the devil. You're either with God or with the devil. There's only two teams. There's only two paths. And this time, John says to us today, there's only two choices, loving or murder. And we need to hear that today. Loving or hatred and murder. And John's going to bring this up again. This is not conjecture. John is going to stress this to us today, that this how, this is important how important love is for us today. And I looked at this and going, man, this is hard. this is hard to swallow, that there's only two paths. You know that seems like a harsh thing. like God, are you are you lack of mercy? you know are you are you are you a harsh God? And then my perspective changed, and I thought about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thought about what he paid. And I thought about what he gave. Did you know that before Christ, there was only one option for us? In fact, there's no option if there's only one, right? There was only one thing you and I could do. Live in the darkness, follow the devil, and hate our fellow brothers. Because of Jesus Christ, another option has surfaced. An option you and I did not expect and did not deserve. And that option is to follow Jesus on the path of light and love. And so John's going to say to us today, don't be like Cain. And he's going to reveal to us why Cain was the way that he was. He says it right in the text. It's not because Cain was busy. It's not because he was distracted. It's not because Cain was hurting himself or Cain had the wrong perspective. You know what John says? It's because Cain's deeds were evil. And he hated his brother's righteous lifestyle. That's hard, right? That's hard to swallow. Don't be like Cain. Cain wasn't busy or distracted or simply hurting and forgot. He was evil. And therefore, he did evil. Wow, John. That's that's bold. That's blunt. But we need to listen to that today. He hated his brother and his brother's righteous lifestyle. Therefore, he killed him. Not not, not every single person who's of the world and not of Jesus Christ actually kills their people, their brothers and their sisters and their family members. But John is going to tell us today that the lack of love in God's eyes is like murder. It is like hatred. And we're going to look at that here in a minute. So the lack of love is so revealing for who we actually are today. We can justify why we don't love. We can make it seem very humane. But John wants us to know that the lack of love is hatred. And it equates murder in the eyes of God. And the fact that you and I, if we walk in hatred, if we walk in murder, is a very big red flag or sign. And it's something we need to pay attention to today. Notice the signs in your life. Do not neglect them. Cain murdered his brother because Cain was evil. And evil people do evil things. We're going to come back to that. John says in verse 13, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Going off of what John just said, the world hates those who practice righteousness. Why? Why does the world hate Christians? Why does the world hate those who practice righteousness? It's the same thing, unfortunately, because the world is evil. And it's of the devil. Unless you follow Jesus Christ, remember there's only one other path. There's only one other father. It's the devil and the path of darkness. And the world hates Christians similar to the way Cain hated his brother because they hate righteousness. They hate light. They hate those who walk in light. You know why? Most of it is primarily because it brings guilt into their soul. And I think that's what Cain was dealing with during this time. I think he felt ashamed, he felt embarrassed, but most of all, I think he felt guilt that his sacrifice wasn't accepted before God, and Abel's was. So you know what he did? I'm going to kill Abel. I'm going to get rid of him. Maybe by killing Abel, I look a little bit better. Let's get Abel out of the picture. I hate my brother. And that's really, really something we need to understand today is that the way, the reason that people hate Christians and hated our Lord Jesus, if you remember Jesus and ever read about his life, all he did was love others. And people had to kill him. They had to put him on a cross and crucify him. They couldn't stand his righteous lifestyle. Jesus was not one of these people that was seeking to hurt or harm or to rebel. He was one of these people that came to bless the earth and teach God's ways. And people couldn't take it. So they killed Jesus similar to the way that Cain killed his brother Abel. So that should make sense to us, honestly. If you know anything about the world and anything about Christianity, it should make sense that the world hates those who walk in love. It should, because they're evil. And if you know their nature, if you know your nature before you came to Jesus Christ, you get it and go, yeah, I get it. There's an evil nature, and there's a nature that God gives us because of Jesus Christ. And those who are still in the evil nature... Hate those who are walking in light. But what should not make any sense to us today is when professing Christians walk in hatred. That should not make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to John. Most importantly, it doesn't make any sense to God. Is when you and I say we're Christians. I follow Christ and we walk in hatred, practical hatred. And we're going to talk about what practical hatred is. And if we're walking in hatred today, or we're going to call it even this, the lack of love, that some really strong questions need to be asked of us today. Because there are bad signs in our life, in our life, if we're not walking in love. And John needs to really bring this out. And the signs, unfortunately, if you're walking in hatred, are pointing to the fact that you and I may possibly, probably still have an evil nature within us. And the fact that we're professing Jesus Christ and calling ourselves Christians isn't accurate. Because if it is accurate that we follow Jesus Christ, it's going to follow that you and I walk in love. Now, I do need to say this and preface this with being careful with my language, not perfectly, but as a pattern and a theme and a practice of your life. If you follow Jesus Christ, you must love. You must. Because you've been born of Christ You're of Christ, you've been taught by Christ, you follow Christ, and Christ is all about love. You can't miss it, you can't neglect it, you can't consider it's not important, you can't be too busy for it. And these are things we're all going to get back to. But listen to what he says, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Then he says, we know we have passed out of death into life. Here's how we know, here's another huge sign for us today. This is how we know we've passed out of death into life. Because we love the brothers. Do you see that? Because we love, we know that we are of Christ. Makes sense, right? If we love, we have proof. If we don't love, we don't have proof. In fact, we may have proof on the other way, that we are not of Christ, because he says, whoever does not love, listen to John's words, not my opinion, whoever does not love abides in death. Isn't that hard? Isn't that blunt? Isn't that striking to hear? That whoever does not love is not just busy or neglectful or forgetful. They're in death. They abide in death. They're of the devil. They're still walking in darkness. John has to plant that huge sign in front of us today to say, what are you practicing? Because whatever you're practicing is what you are. And if you're practicing hatred... You cannot be a Christian because Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. I know that's not a very nice and kind thing to hear this morning. It wasn't nice and kind when I read it. But it is something we're going to help ourselves today understand because this is John's way of loving us. He too is seeking to love us this morning by saying, I don't want you that way any longer. I don't want you practicing hatred. I don't want you unsure that you're of Christ I want you to come into the light, have the proof of that in your life, and to have the assurance that you actually are Jesus. He says next, we know that we have passed out of death into life. Here's the other side. Here's how we know. Here's the proof. Because we love the brothers. Oh, sorry, I just read this. Whoever does not love abides in death. John loves giving us tests and proofs of who we actually are. And this is a really, really big one that comes up in Scripture all the time. That if you and I are calling ourselves saved and Christians today without the evidence, we must assume that we're still dead in our sins. And you know what that means today for us? If we can honestly say today that we're not walking in love, and I hope every single person here is walking in love, but if you're not, there's hope for you even. Because you can turn to Jesus for the first time today. And I'm going to interject my testimony now because you guys have heard bits and pieces of this along the way. But when I was growing up, I was a professing Christian since I was five years old. And uh, I I grew up in a Christian home with ministry-minded people. I went to a Christian college. I had all the benefits of Christianity. Um, But it wasn't making a change in my practices, unfortunately. And that really got compounded about the age of 25, 26 years old. When I was only practicing things that would please Todd. I gave all my time to it, all my thought to it, all my energy to it. And the Lord Jesus brought passages like this into my soul and said, Todd, this is a problem. I'm going to show you a sign today that says Christians cannot practice these things. And I'm going to let you deal with that. And as soon as I saw that, I I had to wrestle with that and go, wait a minute. Sometimes I love... I'm a nice guy. I'm a kind guy. It's not like I never love. I don't spend a lot of time doing it. I don't practice it. But it's something I try to do on occasion. And God says, that's not what we're dealing with. The world can be kind. The world can do nice things. I see them do nice things. The problem is, is do they practice it? Is it about others? Is it about God? Do they live it as a lifestyle? And God said to me, Todd, you're not. You're not living love as a lifestyle. You're trying to fit it into the nooks and crannies of your life. And I had to come to the conclusion that day that I may not be the Christian I had professed for 20-some years. And I was really, I it was like doom and gloom for me because I thought, honestly, well, that's it then. I'm done. God's going to kill me. He's going to take me. He's going to judge me. He's going to throw me into hell. And that's not at all what God was doing. He was placing a sign in front of me that said, Todd, wrong way. Christians don't go this way. You are going the wrong way, and therefore you need to really search within your soul to see what is real. And I honestly believe, guys, looking back, that I may not have had a faith in Christ at all. I had to wrestle with that and say, God, I'm going to stop calling myself a Christian, and I'm going to let you do the work. I'm going to trust in your son today, and I'm going to follow him. And God, if you'll allow me, forgive my sins, give me mercy, give me grace, and give me the legs to get up today and walk in the right direction. And you know what happened? God did. All glory to Jesus Christ. I was able to rise from my sin, cast off my sin, and start practicing love, maybe for the first time in my life. And that right there was the evidence I was lacking for so long. I called myself a Christian. Other people called me a Christian. I had a date in my Bible. I had an experience that people remember of me saying a prayer, but what I didn't have is what 1 Corinthians 13 brought out. I didn't have love. I had knowledge. I had a an upbringing. I had proof, at least of church, um, going in church, things like that and religious practices, but I did not have love. And John is saying to us today that we must have the proof Of love in our lives. This is what this church, this is what this Christian nation that we want us to live in needs to be about is that we need to practice love. I want to give you a couple of quotes from my favorite preacher, Charles Spurgeon. He said this today, one of these days, he said, I would rather go to heaven doubting all the way than be lost through self confidence. I would rather go to heaven doubting. All the way than be lost through self-confidence. As if to say, I would rather assume I'm not a Christian and question that and bring it to God and bring it into the life, the light and let God tell me I'm a Christian. Then assume I'm a Christian, never question it, and on the last day find out I'm on the wrong path. John's going to go on to say this. Listen to what he says. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has an eternal life abiding in him. Wow, right? Wow. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. I can honestly tell you today, I've never killed anybody. I've never taken anyone's life. There is no proof of that in my life. But I have hated. I have hated. I've hated people. I've hated people even very close to me. And if I listen to the language of the world, I'm not a murderer. But if I listen to the language of God, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And I think John's going to even take this even further to say it's not just hatred. As you think of it, it's also the lack of love. Because remember, there's only two paths. There's love, or there's hatred. There's nothing in between. And here we get John's most blunt and sobering language, so it's impossible to miss the truth of it. That if you and I do not love, we hate. And if you and I hate, in the eyes of God, according to Jesus Christ, it's as if we've murdered our brothers. It's as if we're more like Cain than we are of Christ. Therefore, we have to make this conclusion that neglecting to love is the same as murdering our brothers and sisters, similar to Cain. Because why would John bring up Cain as his example? Why would he say today, love and don't be like Cain who murdered his brother, as if to say there's nothing in between. You either love as a practice and theme of your life, or you're like Cain who murdered his brother. We need to think about Jesus Christ. He needs to be the central focus of this today. Because Jesus Christ saw a need within you and I, and he had a choice. Do you guys remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? you remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? That's a really popular parable. This man is hurting. This Jew is hurting. He's going down from, I believe, going to Jerusalem. And he comes along thieves and robbers, and those people beat him and take his clothes and take his goods and leave him half dead there on the side of the road. And then a couple guys pass by him. One is a priest. And you'd expect the priest to go, oh my word, you know, someone's hurting, I need to stop and help this guy. Nope, the priest has his own agenda and keeps on walking. Well, the next guy is a Levite. You'd expect him to stop, right, because he's of the, the tribe of Levi. He's, you know, he's lived a religious lifestyle, kind of like myself, the entire theme of my life. And he passes right by. The next guy is a Samaritan. The Samaritan is the guy you expect not to stop, because Samaritan and Jews did not get along. Does not have anybody like that in your family or other parts of this world where there's just, we don't get along with these people? Samaritans and Jews did not get along. They were not friendly people. And yet the Samaritan looked at the Jew suffering on the side of the road and said, I have to stop. I have to help him. He's hurting. He's bleeding. He's naked. He's hungry. If I don't stop, he may die. So this good Samaritan stopped and loved his fellow brother, his Jew And Jesus is the good Samaritan. You guys know that? When you and I were dead in our sins and suffering, and there was no hope, Jesus looked down from heaven and didn't say, wow, I hope they get better. I hope someone comes along. Um, But he actually got off his throne and came down to give us exactly what we need. And we're going to look at how important it is to love in word and deed. Um, So in case it's still not obvious today, No matter what you and I claim to be, if we are murdering others and walking in hatred, we can have no eternal life abiding in us. Which means if you don't have eternal life abiding in you today, you're walking straight to hell. And you need to make a very prompt U-turn today. And I had to when I was 26. I tried to justify it and say, God, if you gave me more money, if you gave me a family, if you gave me a really cool job and good job, of course I'd love people. The reason I'm not loving, God, is because you haven't given me some of these things. And I was justifying it. And God said, that's not how it works. I've given you everything you need to love one another. The reason you're not loving is because you don't want to. And I had to swallow that and say, you're right, God. You're right. I could love. I'm not loving because I don't want to. And God was saying to me today, back then he was saying, hatred is the lack of everything I'm about, Todd. You cannot walk in hatred and be of me. Because hatred is hurtful to God, and it's hurtful to the people that God created. Have you ever hurt somebody that you love? Have you ever hurt somebody that you love? Isn't that horrible? Isn't that a horrible feeling to know that, to think about that saying, that is someone I love and care about. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? It's true. And when God loved us, he gave us a message in that to say, No longer can you walk in hatred. Hatred is not of God. Hatred is not uplifting and edifying. It is only hurtful to me and my people. And listen to what John says next. This is what brings it all together. By this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Remember Jesus being the good Samaritan. Jesus saw us in our need and he didn't say it's their fault. It's their fault. They shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have thought that. They should have lived a better lifestyle. Or maybe someone else will come along. Maybe they'll figure it out. And one day walk on the right path. He said, no, if I don't do something, they're going to stay dead forever. They're going to die forever. And because you and I have known that love, if you know that love today, that's a message for us too. As if to say, you and I ought to lay down our lives for the brothers if Christ laid down his life for us. If you and I know anything about Jesus Christ, we shouldn't be confused on what it looks like to walk in love. I hope you're not. I hope you're not confused by that. I hope you're not looking at Christ and go, Is he loving? Did he love me? Of course he did. We sang three songs all about the love of Jesus Christ. And if you know anything about Christianity, it's all about Christ's love for us. But what if Jesus neglected our need? What if he did? What if he had warm wishes and warm thoughts for us? What if he said from heaven, I wish you well, I hope you do better. And he never got off his throne and never yielded up his life unto death. What if Jesus neglected to show you and I love today? We're dead. We die. If Jesus does not do what's necessary to save us, we don't have life in us today whatsoever. Jesus gave us everything and anything we needed We needed a sacrifice, Jesus gave us a sacrifice. He yielded up his life on a cross, and therefore he's saying to us today, love the way that I have loved you. Take the message, take the pattern, take the sacrifice, and use that on other people. I want your love to look like mine. Whatever your brothers and sisters need, you must be ready and willing to love them and go whatever degree and length it takes to love your brothers and sisters and you know what's going to happen it's going to cost us something it's going to cost us something to love it is it'll take time it'll take money it'll take energy it'll take the loss of something we enjoy but consider what it would mean to withhold love for any reason and to be lumped along with Cain on the last day when God says you're more like Cain than you are of Christ (coughs) If I have to put you on one team, you're like Cain. You're more like Cain. You hated. You murdered. You didn't love. You didn't practice love. You justified it while you couldn't love. You're more like Cain than you were of Christ. So when Jesus gave us his life and yielded up his life, he also gave us a message attached to that. We use this term called pay it forward today. You guys ever heard that? Pay it forward. If someone loves you, love someone else. Jesus started that, guys. Jesus said, I'm going to give you my life. It's going to heal you. It's going to save you. It's going to make you new. Now love others. Now love others. John goes on to say, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, like the two guys in the parable of the Good Samaritan, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? It just doesn't work. It's not a working equation. If you and I see someone in need and we have the goods, we have the means to take care of them and we justify the reasons why we can't, God's saying, how are you of Christ? Christ didn't do that. Christ wouldn't have done that. Christ got off his throne and gave up his life on the cross. John isn't commanding us or assuming that you and I can meet every single need. There are times that we ourselves cannot meet the present need. But what he is saying, that is if the Lord has granted us money and goods and time while factoring personal sacrifice, because that is included, and we look the other way instead of meeting that need, then God is saying, how can you be of me? How can you be of my son? How is that working in your mind? That if you practice the lack of love, you're of God, you're of Jesus Christ. It doesn't work. Because why would we withhold love if we've received such love? And for some reason in our society, that works in our mind. It goes, well, yeah, I I can be loved. God has to love me, but it's optional if I do or don't. How is that optional? When Jesus redeemed us and purchased us and saved us, he gave us a new nature that screams at us every single day, love, love. Charles Spurgeon, I told you I was going to read a couple of quotes from him. He said this. He said, I am told that Christians do not love each other, and I'm very sorry if that be true, but I rather doubt it, for I suspect that those who do not love each other are not Christians. And I think he's dead on with that one. You and I have to watch out for these things called justifications. I remember that. I told you that already. Because the justifications are given to us from the devil. And I'll give you a few examples. Things like, you're too busy. You don't have the money or the time. I've been told that all the time. There's someone better suited to meet this need. You're tired and hurting yourself, you're in need, or you'll meet the next one. <laughs> I'm going to give you another example. This one day I was driving on the road, and I saw this really old woman mowing her lawn. And it, I had a feeling about that. <laughs> like, oh, you know, someone should help her. <laughs> And I saw this woman mowing her lawn, and she was really old. I mean, she was really struggling. And I thought, yeah, maybe I should stop and help mow her lawn. But you know what immediately happened? Justifications came to my mind. It said, ah, I got stuff to do. I have a busy day. I have a busy schedule. Or maybe someone else will help her. She's got neighbors. She's got neighbors right next to her. They should be the ones that should love this lady. Or maybe even this. Maybe she needs the exercise. Maybe I'm actually blessing this woman by neglecting her. You know, I'm keeping her alive is what I'm doing. And as I drove down the road, the Spirit spoke to me and said, Todd, what are you doing? Those aren't great justifications. Those aren't things that actually work in your mind, are they? Do you remember Jesus Christ? Do you remember what he did when you were suffering? He stopped and gave you exactly what you needed. Justifications are not from God. To not show love. Now again, there are evidences, there are times where we can't meet every single deed. And John knows that. God knows that. But what is the pattern? What are we willing to do? What are we willing to give for the sake of those around us? Today, we like to chalk it up to things called forgetfulness or neglect. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, have you ever neglected a sign or just forgot or just missed it? And we love to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Oh, I just forgot. I forgot to love today. Whoops. I just had a lot going on. And God says that doesn't work. Forgetfulness and neglect to do the most important thing in existence. The thing we were created and redeemed to do, we forget. And 1 Corinthians 13 has so much weight when you read it. It says, no, if you do anything you love, if you don't love, you don't do anything. That your life needs to be about love to such a degree that if you get to anything today, anything, it needs to be loving others as Christ has loved you. And here's another cool perspective. We can. We can. If you're in Christ, if you have believed in Jesus Christ, you now have the power and the means and the nature to love, where before we didn't. Before it was all justifications. It was all about us. We never had the power or the thought process to practice love, and now we do. We can give versus we can't. What can't we give? If you change the message from justifications to I will, I can, I must. You'll look for opportunities to love those around you. So you and, I, you and I need to take the need, whatever that need is that we you and I see, take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord and say, "Lord, how might I meet this need?" At the beginning of this, we gave you a couple opportunities to show love from this church to people who are hurting, people in need. There's an example. If there's some need that comes to your mind, it comes to your heart, and maybe you don't have the money. I understand that. Maybe you don't have the time. Maybe they're actually valid. But if you take that need to the Father and say, Father, I must practice love and I've been shown a need. What might I do to help this person? I think God will show you something. He'll show you something. He'll give you an opportunity to walk in love. Because God loves love more than you and I do. And he wants us to practice it. Listen to what he says lastly. He says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Not as if not to say that love in word can never be love. It is love sometimes to build people up with your language. But it's kind of like me driving by that old lady and just going, oh, wouldn't it be great if someone helped her? I really wish that would happen. John says, that doesn't do anything. That doesn't do anything. And he brings it up in James 2. Uh, James says, in James chapter 2, verse 16, he says, uh, we say these things, go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the needs for the body. What good is that? It doesn't bless anybody to say to someone, go in peace, be warm and filled. Or honestly, what we've come up with today that can be a loving gift, but it can also be a cop-out is to say, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Prayer is good. Prayer is loving. But what about meeting the actual need? Is the praying About meeting the need, or is the praying about getting out of meeting the need? And I've used that before. Oh wow, really you're hurting? Oh, you need a need? I'll pray for you. I'll pray that someone would come along and bless you. And the Lord stops me in my tracks many times and says, What about you, Todd? What about you? Why can't you? Why shouldn't you? You're of Christ. You have love, you have the means. But John speaks to us very tenderly and says, Little children, little listen to me, listen to me today. Don't just love in speech, love indeed, Love indeed. You and I must take the opportunity to actually meet the need that the person has because you and I are now the hands and feet of Jesus. If you're a Christian, Christ is on his throne in heaven. He's waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool for his feet. You and I are the hands and feet of Jesus. If this world does not get serviced by you and I as Christians, they don't get any love. They get neglected. They will die. And I thought about this as I thought about this yesterday and throughout the week. Everyone in this world, it seems, is looking for a purpose, aren't they? Everyone wants a purpose in this life. To do something significant, to change the world. Everyone wants a purpose. Give me a purpose. This message from Jesus today is the greatest purpose imaginable. If you and I walk in love, we're going to change the world. We're going to change the world. That is God's purpose for every single one of us. And I hope you look at it to that way and not go, oh my word, more chores, more to do, more sacrifice. And go, wait a minute, God is giving me a purpose, a really important purpose. Because when you and I love, we're like Jesus. Which means we're in Jesus which means our sins have been wiped away, which means that God is our Father, which means we're holy, which means God loves us with a perfect, eternal, covenantal love, which means we await the riches of joy and the eternal inheritance of Christ. All because we love. And if we don't love, it all goes away. Because you can't know you're of Christ. You can't know that God is your Father. You can't know that you're awaiting the inheritance so, is it still too costly to love after considering all that? That if you love when you love, you're like Jesus, which means you're in Jesus, which means you're waiting for the inheritance. It's not. What it is, is it's too costly not to love. It's too costly not to love. And that's what we need to change our perspective on today. Not, I can't, I shouldn't, I don't have enough. I must, I have to. And the picture I get, and I mentioned this before, is like the end of the movie, The Christmas Carol, where Scrooge wakes up and has a spiritual awakening and says, What am I doing? I have money. I have means. There are hurting people around me. I must love. I want to love. Who can I love? And he spends the rest of this movie blessing as many people as he can. And I know it's not a spiritual Christian movie, but there's a message in there. That you and I, once we're reborn, once we're of Christ, love is so obvious. I have a recap on the sheets that I'm going to leave for you guys to read. I'm going to skip right to the application here because we're short on time. This is how I want to think about love. Number one is go on the offense for love because it won't happen anyway, anyway else. If you and I don't purposely set love before us each and every day, I think we will neglect it. I think we will get too busy. I think we will get too tired. We'll get burnt out. Because we do have schedules. We do have things we have to do. And if you and I do not set love before us as the most important thing, it won't get done. I know what that's like. I know what it's like. This past week I was hurting and busy and I said, hey, you know what, I don't have time for things like this. Yes, I do. I must. It's the most important thing. So go on the offense for love. Remember, everybody's scrooge, Looking for reasons. Looking for opportunities to love one, of, one another. Number two is be inspired by the Lord's purposeful, sacrificial love for you and give that same kind of love to one another. Being kind is love. Being kind and nice is still loving. Don't neglect that stuff. But go beyond it. Go beyond it. Go to what's actually sacrificial and purposeful and be inspired by the Lord's love for you. Number three, remember love is an optional. The only other choice besides love is hatred and in God's eyes, murder, to be like Cain. That's why he brings up Cain. He had to give us a really harsh example to say, if you don't love, this is what you're like. This is who you're like. And when you don't love those around you, you're actually actively hurting those around you. If there's someone in need and there's someone hurting and I neglect someone, isn't that similar to them, to me hurting them? Because they continue to suffer, they continue to be hurt, and I go the other way, like the first two people in the parable of the Good Samaritan. So, love isn't optional. It's not optional. We must. Number four, remember we can't love properly without the Lord first loving us. If you today are struggling with this and going, I don't know, is it really that important? Or I don't know if I practice love, stop, pause, go to Christ. Make sure, like I had to make sure when I was 26 years old, which was embarrassing, by the way, because I had been practicing religion and Christianity for 20 years, and God said to me, you might not be mine. I had to go to Christ and say, Christ, sort it out. Am I yours? Do I need to trust in you for the first time? And I did. And I started practicing new things that very day. So if you're not practicing love, first of all, go to Christ. And let Christ change your nature. Because without that new nature, you and I will never love the way we are supposed to. We can still be nice and kind people. I can open the doors for people without being a Christian. But what I can't do is practice a theme of love in my life. And that's what John and God expect us to do. Number five, and this is what I give you the back sheet of your bulletin for. Make a plan to love somebody today. Make a plan. Schedule. Put it down on paper. Make a purposeful plan on how you should love someone today. And don't even say Thursday or next week or after Thanksgiving. Today. Today. While there's still day, while there's still time to do so, make a plan to love someone today. Because I believe if we don't make a plan, it won't happen. We'll get sidetracked. We'll get busy. We'll get distracted. We'll get tired. We'll get hurting. And we'll skip out on love can't happen. So have you been loved? Has Christ loved you? If Christ has not loved you yet and you don't know you have a relationship with Christ, please go to him or come talk to me because it has to start there. It has to. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the way that you know that is by checking the signs. What do I practice? What do I love? What do I hate? Am I practicing love or practicing hatred? That's how you tell if you're an actual Christian. And if you're not practicing these things, go to Christ and come talk to me. If you are practicing love, continue to love like Christ showed you. Continue to go the right way. Don't get weary. Don't say, I'm too tired. It's exhausting. What about people loving me? I know it's hard, but the people who went before you are now in eternity reaping those rewards of love. We will reach the end. We must go forward in love. And remember this last thing. Jesus is worthy of loving, of us loving him similar to the way that he loved us. When you love his people, you love Christ. Because Christ said in the New Testament, however you treat the least of these, my brothers, is how you treat me. So if you love the least of these, you love me. If you don't love the least of these, you don't love Jesus either. And I pray we'll listen to that today because the title of this lesson was Signs of Life or Death. And I want you to look at the signs today and say, what am I, what am I doing, what do I need to do from this point on? And remember Jesus, set him before you each and every day, saying, show me the way to go, show me a need today, Lord, and help me to love those around me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text. I know you didn't do it justice, but I thank you for who you are and I thank you for the message and the word of God that you have told us will not return void. Help us to listen to the message of love today and not neglect it. Help us to look for needs around us and say, Lord, help me to love as you have loved me for your sake and for the sake of the assurance that I belong to you. Father, we can change this world if we simply do our duty to love those around us, even our church. Let's start there because we can't love our enemies, we can't love our strangers unless we love the people closest to us. So let us start with our family and our church family. And Father, seek to meet those needs around us. You've given us a couple. We started that today. I pray that you'd help us consider the needs of those who are hurting and that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And it's a blessing to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We thank you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.